Welcome to Next CLT. Next CLT is a business development initiative that focuses on strengthening companies owned by Black, Indigenous people of color in Charlotte. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Mac Everett. Hey, Mac Everett, you know, you've served in several boards. You've been considered uh, in Charlotte the go-to person for helping the city, even considered the go-to person for the state of North Carolina, being part of the foundation of the Carolinas, the North Carolina citizens, business industry. You know, you've gotten the Whitney Young Award from the Urban League. You've done so many different things. You sit on so many boards, and you've actually helped the city raise millions, countless millions of dollars to help it grow. And you've even spent some time on task force for, you know, race and ethnicity. Tell me, Mac, how are you doing, and how did you do all those things? Well, first of all, Eric, to hear you say all of that makes me tired. Uh, um, you know, I've been blessed. Uh, we came to Charlotte in 1978, now almost 45 years ago from Atlanta. And at that point in time, uh, Charlotte had great leadership, but it was not diverse leadership, but a group of people who really cared, had a heart for the city, for everybody in the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were the great visionaries and the planners. And Frankly, they needed some ditch diggers. They needed some people who could go out and, and implement for them. And I just happened to come along at, at, the, at the right time and was blessed to have some of these leaders as mentors and uh, uh, people who were willing to bring me alongside and let me learn from them, um, but also, I mean, truly engage in so many wonderful things that have gone on in our city in these last 40-something years. Yeah. So over 47 years, and you still help and support. You sit on the board of Next CLT, a business accelerator. Why Next CLT, and what made you kind of like say yes to Next CLT? Probably happens to everybody, but when I retired, everybody thought, well, he's got lots of time now. You know? <laughs> and, and that's not so true. Uh, you retire for a reason, and, and that is to, to focus more on things that are really important to you. And, and I, I've all my life have been... Um, focused on trying to separate things that are important and those things that are urgent. There are a hundred urgent things today that I could do, but there are probably one or two important things that I can do. And and I just think that Next CLT is one of those important things. I was introduced to it uh, by Greg Johnson, who was instrumental in, in creating the, the uh, organization. And I have such respect for Greg and, and for the work he does, quietly does in this community. Um, that I, I was interested in that. Also have been um, always interested, Eric, in the fact that uh, not everybody in our city has had the same access as others. And, and we talk a lot about access to capital, meaning uh, getting the dollars that allow somebody to expand a business or whatever. But to me, it's more an access to opportunity than it is to the capital. Capital is important, mm. and we can find that. But access to opportunities, I mean, some people can, can walk into Wells Fargo and know the people there and go to the right people for a particular problem or job or whatever opportunity, whatever it might be. Others can't do that. And so to me, that, that's what uh, Next CLT is, uh, does well. It, it, there is capital there, um, 
but there's access to opportunity. We, we can be involved in it. You and I can be involved in it and help these wonderful business owners, founders, owners who are so busy with their day-to-day work that they can't step back and make the build of relationships that they need to get into these companies, can't step back and look at the strategic, where am I going to be five years from now? And so uh, Next CLT brings all of that to the table for these small business owners. And that's, that's what's so interesting to me about it. Yeah. Mac, you from uh, Macon, Georgia. Yeah, tell us about you know, your story about growing up in Macon. You know, well, well, it's a long story, seventy-six years now, but but it's a pretty boring story, frankly. Um, uh, Macon, Georgia, is eighty-five miles south of Atlanta, uh, right in the middle of the state of Georgia. Uh, it's it's a um, a wonderful place to have grown up. It it serves. Um, Medical community, financial community, it serves not only middle Georgia, but south Georgia. Most anything that's north of Macon would go to Atlanta. So um, we spent a lot of time focused up toward Atlanta as, as I was growing up. I lived on a farm for several years and, and loved that. Had a horse and a, and a spinning rod and a shotgun and just <laughs> it would spend the day by myself. Yeah. But um, I had wonderful parents, uh, both of whom were born in Macon, Georgia, lived their entire lives there in and in a buried there. So I still have that connection to get back there. I have a sister that lives there. So we get back occasionally. Interestingly enough, after serving on the Atrium Healthcare Board here in Charlotte for more than 20 years, um, they have a retirement age of 72. I had to um, leave that board. But we were just acquiring, and actually not for profit, it's a matter of becoming a sole member of an organization as opposed to acquiring. But we acquired a hospital in Macon, Georgia, which happens to be the second largest hospital in the state of Georgia. And they have a retirement age of 78. So my friends at Atrium here asked me to go on the board of the hospital in Macon, Georgia, which I've done and have enjoyed tremendously since January of 2019. Um, but that is the successor organization to the hospital in which I was born. Wow. So it's, it's, it's pretty special to, yeah. to have that connection back to your hometown. That is a, a special moment. You know, you early on you talked about two things that you're most focused on. I know your family is extremely important to you, and you talk about your parents and you, that wonderful living. Tell us about you and your family now. Well, I have a wonderful family. Uh, my wife and I have been married for almost 54 years. We met uh, at the University of Georgia ah. back in the 60s, and, and uh, we were not 60s hippies, but we were, you know, we had a good time in school and, <laughs> and actually met on, on a blind date and just became very good friends, and that evolved into something really special. Yeah, uh, we have uh, two children: a daughter who is forty-nine, will be fifty in, in in three months, who lives here in Charlotte. She has two daughters, she and her husband. Uh, one of whom is a junior in college in California, a little Christian college in in uh, Santa Barbara County, California. Pretty pretty yeah, nice, beautiful place. place. Yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. and uh, a younger daughter who is nineteen and is a freshman at TCU. Wow. Uh, so we've, we've experienced uh, some, some very good college football over the last <laughs> year. Uh, my wife and I met at the University of Georgia, and, and our, daughter, uh, our granddaughter's at TCU, and, of course, they played in the national championship game. Yeah. So that, that was fun. But wonderful to be close to them. Um, we have a son who is 45, and he and his wife live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They have four children, um, ages 5 to 16, 5, 7, 13 and, and 16. 
So they have their hands full, yeah. but it's a wonderful family, and they just uh, they're in a wonderful place. Chattanooga is, is a really special city. Yeah. Now you know those Georgia Bulldogs, Mac. I mean, uh, you guys are ruling the roost uh, college football right at this moment. How many games did you make? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm a little beyond that, Eric. I, I, I decided a long time ago I was going to not let 18, 19, 20-year-olds decide whether I'm happy or sad. You know? <laughs> I do I do enjoy it. We, yeah. I still have season tickets down in Athens, so um, mm-hmm. we get back occasionally, but not often. Yeah. We, but we, we stay very yeah. uh, interested in it and, and follow it very closely. Uh, as a university, not just as a football team, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty special place. Mm-hmm. In that special place, Mac, you met your wife there, you keep supporting it, and you seem to have that connection back to things, right? So tell us about your connection to this whole thing around golf. Last year, I heard that you were like instrumental in bringing uh, large, the, one of the first uh, large golf tournaments to Charlotte, and the President's Cups were here, but you keep Time back to it. And I, by the way, I heard you're a pretty good golfer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you hear a lot of things, Eric. Uh, <laughs> first of all, before I get to the, the golf thing, um, you said something that, that's very important to me, and that's relationships and tying back to the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we can forget the past, mm-hmm. and we have to learn from the past. But I have a favorite song that, that's sung by Dolly Parton and, and Kenny Rogers, and it's called You Can't Make Old Friends. Mm-hmm. And and it, it you think about that you make great new friends so nothing nothing bad about that at all, but think about people you knew back in college or back forty years ago whatever and were good friends you can be away from them for twenty thirty years mm-hmm. and you get back with them for five minutes and you're right back in the saddle mm-hmm. it's just like you never left so yeah, that yeah. that's a pretty special part of life I think that that we we continue to connect with those relationships from the past yeah. Uh, the golf was was uh, just another time that that um, it was an opportunity. It was good timing. I happened to be working for uh, Wachovia at the time. We I worked for First Union for, for a number of years, and we merged with Wachovia in two thousand one. And we were looking for ways to brand the new company. Um, and at the same time, um, the PGA Tour was looking for. A place and a, a, and a sponsor for a new date that they had in the springtime. First new date they'd had uh, in over thirty years. And so conversations. First Union had a little bit of a relationship with the PGA Tour, but nothing big. And so conversations continued and and began to grow and grow and grow. And uh, in May of two thousand and two, we were able to announce the uh, Wachovia Championship as the first new spring PGA Tour event uh, in over 30 years coming to Charlotte in May of 2003. So we had one year to get ready and do everything we needed to do to, to, to prepare for that. Um, I, because I, I have a love for the game of golf, I worked for Wachovia, knew some people at the PGA Tour. Uh, they asked me to be the general chairman of, of the golf tournament. And so from 2003, our first year, uh, for 16 years, I was the general chairman of, of the tournament, and uh, it was special for several reasons, but one of which is, is that typically in these events, there's an honorary general chairman for a year or two years or whatever, but very seldom somebody served for 16 years, but it was not something that, that 
that I took on as an honorary thing is something I took on as a true engagement mm-hmm. and truly was involved and invested in it. And uh, that, that I think has been a, a part of, of decisions in my life. I, I had a, a, a rule in my working career that I would not serve on advisory boards. Um, Nothing wrong with them, but they're mm-hmm. information gatherers, uh, ambassadors, uh, fundraisers, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to spend my time on policy boards where you could actually impact mm-hmm. something. You could make a change or impact somebody's life by helping the organization uh, focus on what it needs to do. Yeah, you know, I, I love that, Mac. You talk about relationships, and you you looked at your relationship with golf with people you knew at PGA and with the bank and you know and being involved in things with the president's cup that came this year so you were 2003 to 2000 and, you know 16 and now the president's cup in you know 2022 you actually got involved in that as well and Charlie Seaford yeah. um his name was prominent during this whole President's Cup. Tell us about your involvement in that and how that came about. I mean, because it was really a great thing for the city, really a great thing for the black community as well. I turned down an opportunity to be officially involved in the President's Cup. I, I, I believe, I have another strong belief, and that is you, 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 at some point in time, and we usually wait too late, we need to turn things over to a younger generation and, and bring on new ideas and new thoughts and a fresh set of eyes to things. Three months before the President's Cup, they came to me and asked me to be a first-tee announcer for Saturday afternoon of the President's Cup, and that was quite an experience. I mean, yeah. to... to, to Introduced the players on the first tee with 2,500 people in the stands right around yeah. it and just a very close area. So that was a, that was a great experience. But uh, one of the highlights of the whole President's Cup scenario was what you refer to, and it's the Charlie Sifford, the Dr. Charlie Sifford. Um, it was a, a, a preamble to the President's Cup, and it was a, a, an event, Centennial Cup event, in which um, – Historically black colleges and universities were invited, the golf teams were invited to come participate. And as I recall, I'm trying to remember how many teams there were, but maybe 12 different universities, Mm -hmm. 10, 12 different universities from from Texas. And of course, Johnson C. Smith was the host university Mm -hmm. and did a wonderful job with that. But um, I I asked the folks at the President's Cup, I said, if if I'm going to announce on Saturday afternoon, can I come out that week before and announce these players on the first tee? And it was just magnificent uh, mr james black came out and mr black um and, and dr sifford were good buddies at revolution park which is now where the first tee program is out here it's dr charlie charlie sifford park mr black was one of the first african-americans to play the pga tour dr sifford was i think the very first in 1961 but mr black actually led the los angeles open in 1964 so he was quite a player and mm-hmm. and, and they were good friends so mr black came out to this event at quail hollow and it was just so good to see him and we we were able to reminisce about some times we played a few rounds of golf together at revolution park so that was a it was just a wonderful event and something that will go on with the president's cup you know in the future and and but to be able to recognize Dr. Sifford um, reminds me of a time in early, it may have been 2004, 2005, when Dr. Sifford came out to what was in the Wachovia Championship. And um, he, he, I spent the day with him out there and hosted him for the day. And there was a young man named Emeka Okafor 
who played basketball yeah. at the University of Connecticut and then played for the Charlotte so Bobcats. Was, yeah. Well, Mecca was a wonderful young man, is a young, wonderful young man, but he was interested in learning how to play golf. So I got him to come out to Quail Hollow and put Dr. Sifford and Mecca together, and it was a, just an amazing time. Yeah. So lot, lots of fun. Yeah. Lots of history, you know, uh, Mac, when you think about it, and in that space, we, we always talk about this whole thing about equity, equality, fairness. You know, tell us about what that looks like to you in just kind of like helping these communities and the state of North Carolina see what it is that that means to just people in general, you know, and I'll be pretty candid here. As as a black male, we sometimes don't see it. Where I sit, from where I sit, we're all God's children. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I think words sometimes are overused. Mm-hmm. Back in, in my day in, in working, uh, we use words like empowering employees or, um, you know, come to work as who you are, those kinds of things. But they became words and not actions. And so I've tried all my life to not use words without actions to go with words. And, and, and uh, when I pray, um, which I do every day, um, you know, I ask God to direct me and help me. But God expects me to move my feet, mm-hmm. not just ask for stuff, but to move my feet. And so that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I, it's 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 a matter of respect mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know how often you say the Lord's prayer, but in there somewhere it says, "Forgive me as I forgive others." Mm-hmm. There's a huge word in that that phrase, "as." Mm-hmm. You know, I hope God, frankly, forgives me more than than I forgive others, mm-hmm. because I'm a little short sometimes in forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think we all are. Prayer is always important. You know, I do it every moment I'm walking, actually. So sometimes I don't do it openly. I guess do it while I'm, uh, you know, walking and uh, thinking. As you think about, and I mentioned equity, equality, et cetera, as you think about those things, those task force that you actually sat on and helped move the needle, the United Way, in those spaces, you've been doing this work for years and years. What changes have you seen? What changes that you would you like to see? Well, I'll, I'll ramble on here just for a minute, Eric. Um, it's 1997. A black man was shot by white police officers, and Charlotte was was in a in a little bit of an uproar. Mm-hmm. Frankly, not what we've seen today in the, in the last year or so, but. But it was not, you know, it was not a good situation. The city was uh, at unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor at the time and, and the chair of the county commission asked a couple of us to join a task force. We called it the Community Building Task Force. Mm-hmm. Um, we met, um, and, and gosh, a man that became a dear friend of mine, um, we, we, we just, we, we didn't have much in common, but we came together there. As we came out of that, um, Claude Alexander and I co-chaired what was called the Community Building Initiative, Community Building Task Force Day at the Charlotte Convention Center. We had over 600 people in there on on a December day. And we talked about the issues of race, equality, 
you know, those kinds of things that really had not been talked about a lot. Uh, and I talked about leaders of Charlotte in the past. These were these were good people. They 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 cared about things like that. Mm-hmm. They weren't quite sure sometimes how to how to put that into action, but they cared about it. But but this particular thing in in the convention center was supposed to be a one day deal. Well, we came out of there, and um, we had a number of issues, and we put table groups together. Well, we decided that it, it couldn't end then. Mm-hmm. So we asked those groups to stay together and come back with recommendations in each of those issue areas, which they did. Mm-hmm. Well, then we learned that you know, there's, there's work to be done now. This is the easy part. So that community building task force from 1997 turned into the community building initiative, which still exists in Charlotte today. Mm-hmm. We have leadership development um, classes. We have, I think, we own maybe the fortieth of those, bringing wow. people together in the community. So it's not something that brings a hundred thousand people together. Mm-hmm. But see, I, I think that sometimes we look at, at the big things <laughs> and say, "Let's do this big thing," and we can raise a lot of money in Charlotte to do those, and we all get excited about it. And we celebrate the activity, and we get to the end, and we don't have any impact. Mm-hmm. To me, the impact comes from one-on-one relationships. So you build those relationships, and you build up from there. Yeah. And I think that's what the Community Building Initiative continues to do, and I think that's what we need to do in, in other aspects. I think Next CLT does that. Yeah. I think as, I've met some incredibly interesting and wonderful people just being on the periphery of, of, of next CLT. Yeah. And, and a couple of those people, uh, we, we talk when it's not about their business. Mm-hmm. So that's why relationships are important to me. Yeah, relationships are really important. Um, when you think about life, it's all about uh, relationship. Actually, business is about relationship, right? So life is about relationship. You know, Mac, talking about relationship, what makes you laugh? What, what are some <laughs> things that make you laugh? My dad once told me, if you're always smiling, nobody knows what you're up to. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think joy makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, we... we People talk about being happy yeah. and so forth. Happy's fine, but it's circumstantial. Yeah, you know, joy comes from the heart, yeah. and joy is what really makes me yeah. me laugh. And and um, it can be a belly laugh. Yeah, and, and I, it doesn't have to be really funny. It can just be a joyful moment with my family. And um, we were uh, interestingly just night before last. I guess we were talking to our son in Chattanooga, and he was describing something to my wife and. And she laughed. I mean, just a big old laugh. And I said, gosh, that's so wonderful, you know, to hear people laugh, truly laugh. It's just, it's such a, what is that old saying that that laughter is the the cream on the sunburn of life or something like that? Yeah, yeah, elixir of life. Yeah, yeah. always think about it. You know, it's a great healer. Yeah. Uh, Laughter is a great healer. Sure. For you and for those around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about the joy part. In all your all the things that you've done, you've and you talk about working with mayors, etc. 
You never thought about going into politics. <laughs> uh, I thought about not going into politics. I, I'll tell you an interesting story. I did have uh, at one point. I, I was. I've always been blessed with with older friends, and I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Parents are important in people's lives, mm-hmm. but I think it's so important for young people to have older friends other than their parents because those are friends who will. will uh, will truly listen, have experience to share with you, will listen to you, won't judge, but will tell you when you're messing up, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and so um, I just, I, I think that's, that's a, a blessing that, that, that I've always enjoyed. And, yeah. and, and uh, um, I had two of those older friends at one point come to me and ask me to run for mayor of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't say it to them because I respect them too much, but I'm thinking, are you crazy? <laughs> and they said, uh, we'll raise all the money. You don't have to worry about that at all. And, everything. and I just, um, that's just not who I am. And yeah. and it, it it wasn't as bad then as it is today, mm-hmm. but, but it was, it was bad enough then. Yeah. So it just, just nothing that really was of interest to me. Yeah. Yeah. I asked you about laughter, right? What books do you read mm-hmm. or do you read books? I, I hear you talk about reading the paper and, you know, which, which is actually an interesting thing. Uh, and do you read it online? Do you read the physical paper? What books do you read? And that question about the paper, physical yeah. or online. Yeah, I read a, a, a couple of things most days uh, online, both of them online, mm-hmm. the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. and, and uh, the, the Charleston Post and Courier, which I mm-hmm. think is a, is a really fine local newspaper. And, and mm-hmm. as I, I've told you, we have a small place in, around Charleston, so mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm interested in keeping up with that thing. Um, books that I read, I read the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Um, not true. I try to read the Bible every day, mm-hmm. and, and I miss some days. Mm-hmm. Um, but books that I've read recently, books that, that I think are important that I share with my friends, there's several. Uh, one is a book that a guy named Philip Yancey wrote called What's So Amazing About Grace. Hmm. And it takes you through, we talked about forgiveness earlier. It yeah, takes you yeah. through grace. How, how much grace does God show us? Yeah. And how little grace do we show other people? Yeah. You know, it takes you through that and it makes you really think about that. So I, that, that's been a really special book over the past couple of years. Um, a book that I give a lot of people, have given a lot of people, is one called uh, One Word That Will Change Your Life. Hmm. And it's, a, it's just about a 100-page book. Not, not, um, I can't remember who wrote it. Two or three people wrote it. But Ken Blanchard, the business guy, wrote the foreword to the mm-hmm. book. And it's a, it doesn't give you the word. It gives you a process through which you go to find your word. And, and it takes, it says, forget New Year's resolutions. Pick a word and apply that word to every facet of your life for the next year. Mm. And so a prayer is a part of that process. Uh-huh. And so um, I have a couple of friends, one in, in, um, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and another who is a, a CEO of a major organization here in town. And we have done this for the last, this will be the third year, I think. Mm-hmm. So we all have our words, and, and we try to apply them to everything we do. We're not very successful. But interesting thing about it, when you pick that word, you'll begin to see it everywhere. Yeah. You, it was there before, but mm-hmm. you just never saw it. So you'll begin to see it everywhere. Yeah. Hey, do you mind sharing that word? Simplify. Simplify. Okay. I'm trying to simplify my life mm-hmm. by um, doing what's important. And not so much of what's urgent. Yeah. Wow. Uh, simpl- simplifying. 
I like that. You talked about that important and urgent before, and I, I like that. Uh, simplify. I won't go down that path. But Mac, as we get ready to wrap up here, you've had a pretty vibrant career. You have your family with extended family, with grandkids, etc. People spread across the country, uh, friends, family, etc. If you had an opportunity for five minutes to kind of like share with the world, what do you think and what do you would like to say? What would you say to in that? It wouldn't take five minutes. Yeah, yeah. What would you say? Love each other. Yeah. Love is powerful. Yeah. Jesus loved us. Yeah. Loves us. Yeah. Why can't we love each other? Wow. That's pretty powerful, Mac. I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk with me today. You know, I just want to have a, a conversation with you. And I want to say at this time, thank you for your support as I actually run and work with Next CLT. And I appreciate the wisdom and the guidance. And your family, I'd like to ask this question. You met your wife in college and what does your wife say about all the things you do and how do you stay grounded with her and that love, loving each other? Well, well, first of all, I can't help but stay grounded with her. I mean, she, she's, she's so special when I retired and I retired fairly early to, to mm-hmm. do some other things, but uh, she would tell you today that I flunked retirement <laughs> <laughs> that, that I didn't know how to retire. And I think she's right. Yeah. But it's, it's been a, again, it's been a blessing and, and she has been so supportive of everything I've ever wanted to do, even when she didn't think it was what I should be doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, another blessing for your wife to be your best friend. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that, and and I think uh, many of us can. It, well, let me say this: I I I agree with that, and I love the fact that you said love each other, Mac. Thank you for having a conversation with me. Thank you for uh, being a part of Next CLT, and I'll give you the last word at this point. Thank you for your leadership, uh, Eric. Day to day leadership of this program. It's going to make a difference in our community and in people's lives. <laughs>